Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. My name is Chloe Langer, and today I'm having a conversation about money. That's right, we are going there. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Heather King. You may recognize her from the writing that she does in Magnificat on the witness of holy men and women. She also writes about her experience with recovery and how that healing process has impacted every area of her life, including the way that she interacts with money. This was, without a doubt, one of the best conversations I have ever had on money and one that I'm going to be re-listening to quite a bit as I continue to sort through my own money wounds and the way that Christ is inviting me to steward the gifts that he's given me. So if you're tired of the lack of good and meaningful conversation about finances and you're wondering how we can interact with money as Catholic women, sister... This letter's for you. Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram at letters to women underscore podcast, especially for Takeover Tuesdays. Every Tuesday since the beginning of February, the women who contributed letters to the new Letters to Women book have been taking over the Instagram account to give you a look into their daily lives as Catholic women and their experience with the feminine genius. So if you've missed any of them, don't worry. They're all saved as highlights for you to browse through. Tomorrow, Mary Bruno is taking over the account and she's going to share about her experience with infertility and how the Lord invites her to live out the feminine genius through the beauty of spiritual maternity, which is another topic that we don't talk about enough as Catholic women. So you're going to want to check that out. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by House of Jop. If you're looking for a wonderful gift, whether that is for someone that you love or for yourself, you need to check out House of Joppa. Their wall art, their home decor, statues, they're so tastefully designed to give Catholic symbols a modern and minimalist feel that can be easily incorporated into your home's design style. If you're wondering how to bring Easter joy into your home in a very tasteful and gorgeous way, you need to head over to House of Joppa. I currently have my eye on their aquamarine and wood leather corded coffee table rosary. It's absolutely beautiful. Letters to Women listeners get 15% off their order at check out with the code letters 15 one word all caps letters one five check out the link to house of joppa in the show notes or visit their website houseofjoppa.com that's house of j-o-p-p-a.com okay let's get into this conversation with heather I'm welcoming to the show Heather King. Heather is an author, speaker, and workshop leader who has won many awards by sharing her experience, strength, and hope as a recovering alcoholic, a lawyer-turned-creative writer, and a Catholic convert. She aims to help others also map their deepest desires and bring them to fruition. Heather, welcome to Letters to Women. It is an honor to host you for our conversation today. Well, right back at you. Thank you. It's an honor to be hosted, so thank you. So today we're going to be diving into a conversation about money, how to develop a healthy, mindful approach to living in a world of abundance, and why and how to talk more honestly about money in our conversation. But first, Heather, can you tell me more about your story as a Catholic woman? Well, that would take probably several hours, but just briefly, I um, am a convert. I was born and raised in the coast of New Hampshire, uh, sort of Yankee, thrift, thrift, hardworking, blue collar, you don't waste anything you do without. That's a sign of character. And and there's a lot of wonderful things about that as well. But anyway, I was, I was raised in the um, congregational church and then active alcoholism for many years, went to law school, got married, moved to LA, worked as a lawyer here, uh, out here in LA for a while and had a big crisis of vocation. I was making money actually for the first time in my life. Um, I'd been a bar fly and a waitress and I was working as a lawyer in Beverly Hills and I had a, I was in my early forties and I had a really deep crisis of sort of conscience slash vocation. I knew I wanted to be a writer. I was terrified of giving up the money, first money that I'd ever made in my life, um, to embark on this crazy 
uh, or I should say very um, financially insecure um, vocation of a, of a creative writer. And so I, had a, I just prayed and started going around to churches. And in short, I converted to Catholicism and quit my job as a lawyer and began to write almost at the same time, not not exactly at the same time, but the two have always been very, very intertwined. And so I found my voc at the church and I found my, vo my vocation as a writer. And so money has a lot to do and that was 20 that was in the mid 90s so i've had a i've had a, a life since then but uh, anyway that's kind of the backdrop for deep deep money fears you know my fear has always been the money i have now is the only money i'll ever have and it, and so if you spend any it sort of leads toward the freeway underpass and death so you know sort of existentially so it's been a wonderful um I've had the church to work all that out in. So that's kind of my thumbnail story. You have written some amazing books. And I think we could very easily, without exaggeration, have five episodes together about your experience <laughs> as a woman and the wisdom that you share. But I would like to focus our conversation on your book, Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of Enough. And it's about following Jesus's call to live simply and share abundantly. Um, that's a far cry from a lot, if not most, of money books that are out there today. Can you tell me what inspired you to take a different approach to a conversation about finances and the freedom that you found in that area of your life? Yeah, I mean, the sort of mainstream how to make a million dollars and, and um, sort of uh, pop culture around money just never appealed to me very much. Um, I mean, I think as a, as a follower of Christ and as a human being, I mean, there's two things at play. One is, um, I mean, clearly Americans were horrible over consumers. I mean, that is, that is statistically, objectively true. And we only have our culture to look for to see, you know, we're told, oh, you're depressed buy something. Oh, have an affair. Oh, it's all about the wrong kind of abundance. So I want to be mindful of that. But on the other hand, it's also not healthy to, um, uh, you know, as, as Catholics, we're kind of told the other end of the spectrum, in other words, can be equally harmful. And that's kind of you know, we hear offer it up and give till it hurts and it's holy to be poor and all of that. I'm very, very susceptible to that. And if you're kind of a compulsive, obsessive addict type, that can be a really harmful um, message. Um, and, and especially if you mix it up with the notion that God loves us, loves you or us because we're depriving ourselves of, say, rest, companionship, maybe even basic kind of consumer type goods. So it's like, where do I find my center um, or, the, or the place of sort of health and growth for me in that? So, and the, I think the point is Catholicism, it's not, a, it's never a formula. You can't look at your neighbor and say, oh, here's a person who's uh, uh, sort of, lives on very, very little, and that's what I should do. And you can't look at the person who um, makes a million bucks a year and says, oh, that's, got, you know, prosperity gospel, so I should do that. We all, it always stems from prayer. We have to, only we can know our deepest wounds, our deepest gifts. And the point is, how do I bring those gifts to fruition? That's the real, that's the real question. How how do I invite God into my money life? So um, 
you know, and I could see I had those those wounds myself, like super, as I said, fear and sort of hoarding type mentality. I'm not a hoarder, but um, that's, you know, my impulse is always, oh, I'll beat the system by doing without. And um, there's something that is not spiritually healthy about that. So those are the things, you know, I had to invite myself to look more closely at how I was with money. I love how landing in a place of a healthy approach to money comes with both an acknowledgement of the gifts that we've been given and the wounds that we have. And I think that's such a balanced approach. Um, And I love reading through your story in Loaded and seeing you examine both of those parts of your story, especially because as Catholics, the church invites us into this life of freedom, of abundant sharing, of simplicity. That can be hard to hear, though, in a world that seems to thrive on materialism. And I like how you put this, it's the wrong kind of abundance. You mentioned that you had a a money wound of fear or this kind of hoarding mentality when it comes to finances. What are some of the other money wounds that listeners may recognize in their own stories as Catholics in in ways that we don't interact with money from a place of freedom? I I think the main wound for all of us, or or maybe the, the main erroneous idea is money is over here and God is over here right? Never the twain shall meet. God doesn't care about money. Therefore, I'm not going to care about money. In, in, in other words, in the sense of I'll either overspend or it's, it's just, I won't, I won't be clear. I think that's our main wound. It's like, oh, I'm a spiritual person. I don't care about money. I don't have time for that. So and the consequence of that is we'll either just madly overspend or over and it could be over giving i'm just going to give tons and tons of money to charity that would be one form and then i don't have enough money to pay my mortgage or my rent or or um tuition for my kids or whatever you know that sort of weird i'll give i'm so generous i just give and give but it's like well what about the people around you that would be one form of the wound um Another would just be, oh, I, you know, when you see these people, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a prosperity gospel. God wants me to have abundance. So I'm like, have like zillions of dollars and I never give anything away because I made zillions of dollars. Why can't you? God helps those who help themselves, which is actually not anywhere in the gospels. (laughs) Um, So it can take all different forms. But I think what about what about inviting God in and saying, of course, God is interested. I mean, he's, he's, inter- he's, in, he's interested in our capacity, obviously, for love, for our procreative. He's interested. He, God is with us in the bedroom. He's with us at the bank. And and how about being clear? Like, the I think this clarity around money, for me, it's the health has come from being clear on how much I make, how I spend, where I spend it. And sort of, oh, let's have a, a spending plan, not a budget, with, which is constrictive, but a spending plan. So there's clarity around it. And who knew, to, to, in my experience, like that's spiritual. It's not spiritual to think I'm too, I'm above money. It's spiritual to say money is a tool. It's a tool of love. So let me, ha, can I be a good steward of my money? Um, can I allow myself to sort of, you know, get down and pay attention to my money? Like absolute attention is 
prayer is love. So that's kind of where the health has come from me. It's like getting away from this idea that I'm so spiritual. I don't, I don't think about money or I won't deign. I won't condescend to think about my money. Does that make sense? It does. It makes total sense. And I love how you put, you know, that, that sounds like a great idea until you don't pay your bills and Money right. is very much a human reality that we are interacting with. So it doesn't, doesn't sound like it's going to pan out too well. I mean, it's a, you know, Christ has said so much about money. And, you know, he seemed to have no, he just believes that the money would be there. He, you know, regard the lilies of the field, they neither toil nor spin. Oh, yeah, we'll pay the tax. Okay, go go find that fish in the sea. It'll have a coin in its mouth. I mean, and I think... I mean, it, to me, that just shows his absolute trust. Meanwhile, though, he's not lying around on the couch watching Netflix. He's working his tail off. He's doing what he came here to do. He's a very clear sense of mission. He never shirks his duty or his responsibilities. And, um, you know, when he had a guy who kept the purse, Judas, who was unfortunately betrayed him. But you know, they had a guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to keep your balance, your checkbook. It's not just, oh, whatever God will provide. So I'll just merrily go about my day and not care about money. Now we got to, you know, you keep an eye on the checkbook and, and uh, for sure you pay your rent, you make good on your commitments, on your, on your people you owe money to, you pay them back. Um, and that's how the money that's how you can have trust that the money will, it's like the money will continue to come if I do the footwork and I'm a good steward. This conversation has been really beautiful. I mean, shoot, we're only a couple of minutes in and I'm learning a lot because it's dismantling a lot of ideas that I think we may even subconsciously hold about different words around finances. And one of those words I think is poverty. And in your book, you talk about the two kinds of poverty. There's voluntary poverty and then there's compulsive poverty. I'd love to hear you speak into the difference between those two kinds of poverty and talk about how, how we can live out this gospel message and avoid the sin of greed, all while being honest about the fact that we do desire things on the side of heaven. Exactly. And Christ was not, Christ loved, I mean, you just know he loved a, a, a good bottle of wine, clearly. <laughs> turned the water into into wine at, at Cana. He was so not an ascetic. I'm sure Christ would enjoy a lovely, a, a good pair of sunglasses and anything that is good quality. So we don't have to, um, anyway, okay. But in short, I think voluntary poverty is based on faith that there'll always be enough. It has to, real healthy voluntary poverty comes from a place of psychic abundance, a real trust. I mean, you have to have something before you give it away with health. So I think, yeah, voluntary poverty is based on faith. There'll always be enough. Compulsive poverty is based on the fear that no matter how much you have, it's going to run out. It's going to be taken from you. So, um, and I, I mean, I've struggled when I learned about Dorothy Day and the Catholic worker way early in my conversion, oh my gosh, I mean, in a lot of ways, my, uh, you know, my spiritual journey has been sort of grappling with that because right away I thought, oh, here's my, here's, oh, voluntary poverty, get out of the way. I will do without, I will be the champion doer without, move aside, I will get number one in 
doing without. And so it's just this weird form of pride and compulsion. I mean, no one doing without in and of itself, who cares? It's not, that is not like what? Like how kind are you to people? How are you treating your neighbor? How are you treating yourself? It's it's not, in other words, poverty can become an idol just as much as wealth can. Um, and I think there is a real shadow side there for many of us who, I mean, if you've already done without your whole life, your job isn't to do without more. It's really to maybe like spend more, you know, it's like, it's okay to buy new towels every like 10 years for the love of heaven, you know, <laughs> like if Christ were your roommate, how, you know, what kind of abundance would you be offering him or something like that? You know, what comes from that? So anyway, it's been a super, super struggle um, because I'm really, really drawn to it's holy to be poor. And that is not in and of itself true. It's holy to live out of love. That's what's holy. It doesn't look a certain way. It comes in all forms, as many rooms in our father's mansion. But if I'm like doing without as a as a sort of God instead of Christ Himself, I'm just in trouble, you know. And I've really, uh, yeah. Again, I, I'll just say I've struggled with that. So you know, we have wonderful examples in the church of those who've embraced voluntary poverty. Saint Francis of Assisi. Right, Dorothy Day, clearly Joseph Lebray, who sort of I think gave up everything and literally lived under the freeway underpass with the poor. But it's a certain that's a certain kind of vocation. I mean, I just think we need to be really careful about trying to squeeze ourselves into sort of coffins of sanctity. You know, real poverty is a particular and beautiful vocation. But for some of us to you know, treat ourselves to a box of raspberries or a, or a nice some hand cream is really the deeply spiritual thing to do because that's going to help us to love ourselves more and, and in turn be kinder to our neighbor. Yes, I think that's something that needs to be emphasized when it comes to things like taking care of ourselves and spending more, especially if your money wound is hoarding, which I know mine is examining my own story. We're, we're feeling guilty for spending money because it, this, right. it won't be here forever and I should use it for something better or not use it at all. That seems like the more responsible stewardly thing to do. But I think what you just said is so important, which is when, when we are good stewards of the life that God's given us and ourselves, then we're only more equipped to take care of those around us. But if we're constantly stuck in this competition of, well, I bet I can have less than you and be holier than you. <laughs> no one wins. No one wins that competition. No one wins. <laughs> exactly. Who wins in that equation? And where and where is Christ in it? So I think I think like the maybe the deepest part of this is we what what is my what are what is my deepest desire? Not what is the deepest desire of my neighbor or what does my neighbor's out exterior life look like, whether it's wealthy or super poor. It's like what is what are the desires of my heart? And, you know, the deepest desire of my heart, I mean, Christ says, store up your treasure in heaven. I think really our deepest desire really is to serve. It is to serve our neighbor. You know, 
But along the way, you know, yeah, I like a nice wedge of cheese. I don't know about you. I like good coffee, you know? It's like, why, like, why not both and? Doesn't mean, right, it doesn't mean I'm going to spend 500 bucks on groceries, you know, for one person every week. But I, I just, I love this idea of um, allowing ourselves, yeah, just the good, the beautiful, good things of life, you know, in moderation. And right, because, and then creating this, ordering our life to truth, goodness, beauty, like good, a piece of good cheese is part of beauty. And you give, and I give money to the homeless guy, and I give money, right? It's to the, my, my unbound sponsee in Guatemala, and to the nuclear resistor, and to all kinds of stuff. Um, my church, uh, but I can't, if I do all of that at the expense of myself, there's something dead and mummified about it. I'm not fully awake and alive. I love how you're phrasing this because it reminds me of a line that I have underlined and highlighted in your book, which is this one. Money is good. Money is necessary. Earning a humane living is the very ground of spirituality. But the real question is, what is money for? And what am I going to do with this resurrected life? I would love to talk to you about how how we can go about discovering how we want to spend our time and how we want to spend our money as Catholic women, all while resting in this reality that there there will be enough, there's going to be enough time, and there's enough love for all of us, and making, giving, and sharing that time and money with others a priority. Well, and that's that's really, um, you know, it's what exactly what are what are we here for? Who do I serve? Is Christ is are my eyes on the on the sort of master's hands and so it's a whole i think the point here is that money is part of the whole of the kingdom and so we're called to absolutely take it into account like let's look a little closer at how we are around money around time i think money's very uh very closely aligned with time, like sort of how we are with money is how we are with time. In other words, okay, here's my Lenten practice. I've decided, and we'll see how it goes. I am going, instead of like fasting, okay, this is my idea, right? Like I'll, I'll try, I'll like fast from coffee, like my favorite thing in the world, right? And then I've tried to do this a few years because like I'm all about, right, it's like, oh, fasting is about like doing without and taking a bow and, you know, doing something kind of grim and hard. And I have gone without coffee for all of Lent and it's kind of like all I do is obsess about it the whole time. It's like, okay, what purpose is that serving? Like what is the purpose of, isn't the purpose of fasting not only to allow us to be kinder to our neighbor, but it's to, it's to receive, right? It's not to do an athletic feat for, for Christ. He doesn't need that. Do you know? So this is, so what I'm going to try to do, and this would be a major, I'm embarrassed to admit it, is to 
sit down when I eat, whatever I eat, sit down and do one thing. Lay a place, light a candle, get out a beautiful napkin, put the food on a plate, get away from the phone, the laptop, and pay attention and invite Christ in and eat. Like, I don't know about you, but like for me, that would be radical. So it's a kind of, it's fasting from like, it's fasting from depriving myself of the real enjoyment of food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, I think there's something so beautiful to be said for striving for being single-minded in a task and being fully present to the reality of the present moment because we're living in a reality and a world where it's so easy to be as you're as you're saying this I'm thinking of all the times throughout today that I've been distracted by my phone by right. having music playing in the background because I don't like it quiet around the house by you know all, by right. just small random things that I allow to steal my attention from the the reality that I should be present to and so I love that idea I mean shoot I might blatantly plagiarize it Heather (laughs) I mean think right think about because and it just goes to everything it goes to love of our neighbor it goes to money it's like what's what's would be the the more beautiful sort of meaningful toward prayer Lenten fast like wouldn't it be to actually, I mean, you know, eat, eat whatever. I mean, I think certainly, um, you know, to sort of cut down on sugar and meat and um, obviously bad food. But like, why not buy like a beautiful piece of fish and, and cook it, pay attention, cook it, pray while, you know, give thanks and then sit down and do the one thing and eat it and enjoy it. Like in this culture, that's a kind of fast actually right and yet you get it and yet there's abundance like that's real abundance allowing ourselves to enjoy and to give thanks for what we already have i think that's such an important piece too because i think there's a temptation to spend a lot of time, like you said, obsessing about something that we don't have so much so that being grateful for what we have totally gets a backseat when that would be so much of a better use of our time when it comes to being grateful and in communication with the Lord and how making space for being present to something so that we can be grateful for it does take a lot of intentionality and it's fasting from something that we'd rather do that is in fact not good for our souls. Yeah, it's kind of like interrupting, right? I mean, the our phones and the internet and I mean, right, how many times am I like, I'll be saying morning prayer in the middle of it, I'll think, oh, I need to like, <laughs> yep. you know, get more like hair products and I will literally <laughs> like get up and like, I have to order it right then, yep. For, yep. you know, from Amazon or whatever. It's like, so I think um, you get it. It, it's not like what gives more glory to God? Is it eating, you know, cheese and crackers and and not even giving thanks for that? Or is it having a nice piece, right, of fish and cheese or whatever? Or, or you know, or I'm going to, I am going to fast on bread and cheese say today but like make it be 
a nice loaf of bread or something like that. It's, in other words, it's not none of this. I think for those of us who are kind of type A personalities and step aside, I will get it done. I will check off the box. I will do without. I will go without sleep, rest. It's just like, to, for, who are you? Who are you doing this for? Like, who cares? You know, it's for my own pride. So um, anyway, I, I just think all of this so goes, it goes back to your, believe it or not, your original question of sort of how, how do we order our lives? But, and I, I just think always prayer is the wellspring of it all. Prayer allows us to see ourselves, know ourselves, see our wounds, our, de- our character defects, um, and really sort of see ourselves clearly. And then he is the vine, we are the branches. Oh, Lord, help me to do better. Help me to, how can I be around money, you know, in a more joyful way? Invite you in. Help me pay more attention, be clearer, and like quit running my own little bizarre contest that like no one cares about. And that separates me from people instead of unites me to them. This is wonderful. I absolutely am loving this conversation. And I think at the heart of it is a sense of relief that there can be joy and honesty when talking about finances. And I think for a lot of women, that's something that's not the case in conversations that they have about money. If they have conversations about money. One of my favorite parts of your book was towards the end, you shared what three months of your income and spending looked like before your recovery. And then those same three months of income and spending post recovery. And it was beautiful to see how recovery and your spiritual growth impacted some really nitty gritty details about the finances in your life. How can we as women be more honest about our day-to-day reality of finances with others in our lives and start having more authentic conversations about money in our day-to-day? Well, you know, I'm really trained um, and I'm a big believer in um, kind of the small group like sharing. In other words, I don't, I think nothing really happens without community. So, I mean, who's to stop us from just getting together with our friends, for instance, and like exchanging three months? Like, what if we just started keeping track of how much money we came in, how much went out, on what? And then sharing that with someone. I mean, even that brings it out. Why are we so frightened and weird about money? Like even our best friends, right? Oh, it's like, with oh, we wouldn't share. You know, we're very vague about it, right? How much, like, why is it a secret? How much we make or our husband makes? Or why is that a secret? Like even contemplate that little question, you know? Um, but yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of resources out there. I mean, obviously, there's a million books about money. I'm a big believer in, um, I mean, I don't want to hold myself out as a member of an anonymous program, but I, I'm really a big believer in 12-step spirituality. There's, um, uh, you know, you can do the research. I don't, I don't want to promote a particular program, but there's 12-step programs around money, for example. Um, so I think we just start, like, um, talking about it maybe we get a sort of uh, money uh you know partner like one other person and um just start checking in with them every day and saying i'm going to take an action toward um 
say earning earning more money because this is the other thing once we get clear about our own desires it's like okay if i like a good piece of cheese say or i'd like to take a you know a pilgrimage to the holy land or something it's like okay well either you know there's there's one thing is i can start saving money okay i'm going to put five bucks in an envelope every month you know like start building a prudent reserve start building our cash reserves um I would like to do this, Lord, show me a way to do it. Okay, I'm going to set aside a little each week. You know, and then it's fun if you can kind of share that with someone. That's one. But then it's like, oh, well, maybe I could earn more money. And if you're anything like me, a sort of dreamy, creative, quote, unquote, type, you're like, I don't know how to do anything. I don't have any skills. I don't know what I'm, you know, like, it's like, all I know what to do is write essays. And it's like, and I'm telling you, this is the real thing that I would like to share. See, from that, just these past couple of years, I've realized, oh, I know how to write. I kind of am a bit of a ham. I have lots of stuff I'd like to share. How about a writing workshop? Right? And and I just thought, okay, I would love to do that. And I don't know how. No one would come. I'd be a loser and a fool. It would be horrible. I'd be nervous. Crazy people would come. All right. Isn't that immediately how our minds work, right? I want to do something, but I won't be able to do it. I won't know how, etc. And I'm little bit by bit. And I did that by having like a little action, like an action partner, just like I described, you know, like, okay, today I'm going to research how you, how you put together a flyer. I'm going to spend 15 minutes on that. Next day, I'm going to spend 50 more minutes like that, a bit by bit. I got a flyer. I put it out. Three people came. COVID hit. Oh, I got to do it on Zoom. Now, this is literally a year later. Like, I am, I have this new source of income from my writing workshop. I have eight people in it. I offered them. It's an eight-week. People come, and it's like, it's about writing, but it's also about our hearts, our desires. It's like the greatest thing. It gives me eight new people to learn to love every eight weeks. It's like the greatest thing in my life. So that's the kingdom of God, right? I think what's beautiful about that is that it's combining so many things that we talked about. It's you knowing your desires, it's you knowing your gifts, it's you knowing your wounds and the way that you've experienced healing. And then through that, sharing that with others because there is enough of the right type of abundance and then finding joy in that. And that's absolutely beautiful. Exactly. And and it, so it's like, instead of sit, sitting around thinking, oh, if I spend, if I go on this trip, I'll spend down and my pile will dwindle. And then I'll, it's like, well, why not, how about like earning more and spending more? Not, not on consumer, not on stuff I don't need, but on like beautiful stuff, on taking a trip to Ireland or doing the Camino or, um, yeah, getting a new printer instead of, you know, unjamming the thing every two seconds. It's like, oh, that's not a good use of my time, you know, like that kind of thing. So it, it's a it's a both and. And, you know, money, I think, can be, when we look at it as a way, it can be an avenue to 
faith, to trust, to service, to love, um, that that wound can, like like all wounds can, can open up this whole new way of like dying and being born in a sense anew, you know? Heather, we're just going to scratch the surface here. You have a wealth of knowledge. You've written some incredible books. Loaded is one of them. It is one of many. Where can listeners find you online? Where can they find copies of your books? And where can they check out all of the incredible writing that you do with the, the other places that you write as well? Well, you can come to my super duper website, heather-king.com, which I have paid good money to update and I'm paying someone to maintain. So I hope it works. But anyway, all my books are on there. My um, There's all kinds of stuff. There's like lists of my favorite, some great memoirs and film. There's my speaking stuff. There's I also edit. So if you're writing a book yourself, I'm happy to help you with that. I work help people with their manuscripts. My workshops are there. Um, I do have a blog. I just posted on it today. Uh, you can get links to my, um, I write a weekly arts and culture column for Angeles News, Archdiocesan Newspaper of LA. Uh, I also write for Magnificat every month, a uh, column called Credible Witnesses, kind of on a notable Catholic who's not yet been canonized, may never be, but maybe. Uh, so I have lots of stuff out there, and that's really where you can um, look for it. Heather, there's one last question that I'm going to ask you. It's the question that I ask every woman who comes on the podcast to close out our conversation. And it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman sharing her experience with recovery around money? This is it. And I'm a huge champion of womanhood, of every, our crowning glory. Even though I am not a mother myself or a wife, i I absolutely believe our capacity to bring new life into the world, the whole, we're organized around that fact, right? Mentally, psychically, emotionally. So I tried to mother forth into the world my, um, yeah, my deepest desires. So my life is ordered to prayer, daily mass, starts with the office and then I I just have a kind of disciplined life that has to do with um, you know my, my vocation of writing and everything that that has grown out of that so um, I think being available person to person my kind of the way that I am in the world is very much I mean people will sign up for my writing workshop this is typical and like literally the next day they'll email email me and say could you pray for my <laughs> you know yeah for my because I somehow to me I don't like I don't want to have a million which is a good thing because I don't you know but like a those million Instagram followers is like I want relationship. That's what women, I think, in particular are built for. It's not efficient. It's not uh, a conveyor belt. It's messy. It takes a lot of time and a lot of heart. And that's how it works out for me. And I would not have it any other way. Heather, thank you so much for coming on Letters to Women. This has been an absolute joy to get to know your story. I've loved it. You're more than welcome on anytime. <laughs> ah, thank you, Chloe, so much. You're a wonderful interviewer. And thank you for letting me, um, as I said, natter on. It's just really, really an honor and a treat. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to letterstowomenpodcast.com to check out this week's show notes. Or if you're listening in your podcast player, you can just scroll down to browse through links to find Heather's website and the resources that we mentioned in our conversation together. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, I would love it if you left Letters to Women a quick review. Tell me how I'm doing and tell other Catholic women why you like listening to the show. Follow along with the podcast and hear all the latest news and behind the scenes sneak peeks over on my Instagram account at letters to women underscore podcast, especially make sure to check out takeover Tuesdays. I cannot get over how much I love sharing these conversations with you. And I hope that they're bearing fruit in your life as well as I know they're bearing fruit in mine. So until next time, be not afraid.